Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. We have not met. My name is Ali and we are concluding. You guys can be seated. Don't worry, you're going to stand the whole time. We are concluding a collection of talks and collection of talks if you're new to church is what is that we talk about a subject for a couple weeks and then we change subjects and today's the end of that subject rooted the heart of root is to connect you to god connect you to your local church and connect you with your purpose in life and i've been loving this collection of talks because we're for the very first time as a church doing our groups our small groups are going through the same curriculum and it's it's amazing what god has been doing the testimonies we've been hearing so the stuff that we've been talking about in groups at least in my group who's part of my men's group Come on, we're the best group in the house. Come on, a little biased. But just the things that men are talking about that we normally don't talk about. It's, a, it's miraculous. I've been, my wife and I, we, we started the church four years ago with a simple dream. We wanted to create a place where not only Christians could listen, grow in their faith, but unchurched people could explore their faith. So if you're new here and you're kind of freaking out, why, why are they singing karaoke tonight? We're, we're worshiping Jesus. I remember the very first time I came to church, I was nervous. I was scared. Believe me when I say this, you are VIP here tonight. And uh, I want to read this verse because it's going to be our theme for tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. If you see it on the screen, someone say amen. Amen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. Today's all about getting past your past. It's going to be a heavy subject, but it's going to be good. Yes. The title of today's sermon is, It Still Hurts. Some turn to your neighbor and say, It Still Hurts. Now turn to your other neighbor that you forsaked in church and say, It Still Hurts. Before we continue, let me quickly pray. God, thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done in our life. God, you are a firm foundation. Thank you, Lord, for the preparation of all the servant leaders that have made today possible, God. Thank you, God, that in this country, God, there's no war like there is in Ukraine. We pray a blessing, God, for that country right now. Bring peace, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Christians that are standing up, praying in public squares, trying to be a positive testimony. If, we, if the church can't be relevant in times of war, may we never be relevant, Jesus. God, I pray, Jesus, that we would walk in one way, but we would walk out another. I pray, Jesus, that there are people in this room that that don't know you, that you would reveal yourself to them tonight. And if you believe that, everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Uh, if you don't know this about me, maybe you're new to church. I'm, I'm Silicon Valley, born and raised on the playground. Literally is where I spend most of my days. And from the age of 8 to the age of probably 19, 20, I, I played uh, organized baseball. And uh, like most high school athletes who are 5'12", 150 pounds, you, you can't play college sports. So I minored in intramural sports. Anybody play intramural sports in college? Come on, I, I minored in it. Every semester it was a different sport. And the difference between organized sports and intramural sports is, is vast. Because on one hand, you're practicing, you're training, there's, there's, there's like stretching and exercises. With intramural sports, you just show up on game day. And the injuries are vastly different. Like I, got, I never got injured in 18 years uh, playing organized sports because you're always running for a couple of seasons, you're stretching. With intramural, it's like every year something was breaking. Broke my wrist twice, not once, but twice. 
uh, after I graduated, I played a, a high competitive uh, flag football, broke my collarbone, had to have surgery on it. And uh, right before, right after my wife and I got married, I actually had a torn labrum. Uh, I, w- I would take Tylenol and Advil, like five of them before a game. Because every time I threw a football, my arm would hurt. And I had this spiritual gift of stubbornness. I didn't go to the doctor for a long time. And uh, I f- eventually, after a year of pain, I finally go to the doctor. The doctor's like, you are an idiot. You, you have a torn labrum. It's like on the hinge of tearing. And when, when I broke my wrist, it was like six to eight weeks with a cast on. When I, when I had to have shoulder surgery on my collarbone, it was like 10 to 12 weeks of recovery. I actually ran a marathon 13 weeks after surgery. I'm crazy like that. But I said, doctor, how long is recovery for the labrum? He's like, nine to 12. I'm like, weeks? He's like, no, months. I was like, well, then I'm not having surgery. He's like, well, then you can't play football. I'm like, I'll play soccer. I'll be one of those communists. (laughs) And I literally did that for a year. For a year, all I did was run and play soccer. I couldn't play the games that I loved, like tennis and basketball, particularly football. And... The main reason was I had this pain in my shoulder. I couldn't get past it. It wasn't that like playing football hurt it. It's my past hurt still hurts. Someone say it still hurts. And the way that my body dealt with the pain is sometimes how we deal with that pain in our soul. Is is I, I was unwilling to deal with the pain, so I was like, you know what? I won't play football. I won't play tennis, but I'll play soccer. See, some of you have this pain in your heart, in your soul. You're close with your boss, but not your spouse. You'll develop relationships with people in church, but not your pastor. You'll be friends with siblings, but not your own parents, because there's a pain in your past. And instead of walking in the freedom that God has for you, you'll live a broken life, the same way that I was living a broken life. I, I could run, but I couldn't throw. And some of you have this ability to have a relationship with some people, but because of past pain, because it still hurts, you, there are people that you hold off. And God, he wants freedom for you. The same way that I, that I was willing to live with the brokenness, some of you are willing to live with your brokenness. And what is the solution, Allie, to this pain? And God gives this to us in Ephesians chapter 4, and it begins at, at verse 30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I love that God is so committed to your freedom, to your joy, that not only does he send his son Jesus to die for you on a cross, but then he gives you the spirit of God. Some of you are new to church, you don't know this, but God, in the Old Testament, you would go to a building to experience the presence of God. In the New Testament, when you place your faith in Jesus, your body, come on, is the temple of God. Which means some of you, when you eat McDonald's, God blesses food in our body. That's crazy prayers right there. How are you going to pray that prayer when your body is now the temple of God? And God is so committed to your freedom that he didn't just die, he gives you the spirit to convict you, not to shame you, but to help you. Because when you're not walking God's ways, he tells you that there's a brokenness in your life. You're grieving. There's another way of living. But it still hurts. So you've lived with that limp your whole life. You don't even know it. So the spirit of God will grieve you. Say, there's another way. But what's the problem? He gives us, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. We live in a broken world. So we have locks on our doors, we have chips on our credit cards, we have police paroling the streets. And when broken people interact with other broken people, you know what happens? More brokenness. And when you get hurt, when you, get, you have trauma, when you have pain, there are two ways we address it. Either we ignore the pain or we don't know what to do with the pain. And eventually, what, you don't, what Paul is trying to tell us in, in, in in Ephesians, 
is that when you have undealt pain and trauma, the same way that I had undealt pain in my shoulder, eventually it, it prevented me from living. Some of you don't realize this, that, that, that unmet pain becomes anger. And then anger becomes bitterness. And bitterness becomes a hard heart. And this is why some of you don't realize you, you, you can't form new friendships. That's why you, you can get close with one person but not another person. Changes the way you trust people. Changes the way you interact with people. Changes who you let in and who you let out because you don't realize that your heart is heart. You ever walk into a, a new church and you're able to interact with people and someone will say something and it triggers something in you. Everyone's like living a normal life, but you're on the edge of your seat because someone said something similar at another church. This is why some of you, 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 you'll have a fight with your spouse and they'll unresolve conflict and then you'll come to church. And someone will say, hey, can you do this? And you'll you just shout at them. So what's going on? Because you haven't dealt with the pain. Because it still hurts. Someone say, it still hurts. it still hurts. But God wants you to walk differently. What's the prescription, Pastor Ali, to this pain? Because sometimes we, we live in brokenness and don't even realize it. God gives us a solution. Be kind and compassionate to one another. This is probably the worst F word, forgiving, for some of you, that you don't want to hear today. Forgiving. You know, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I, I, I left my house at 5 o'clock for this <laughs> to hear a sermon on forgiveness. Come on. Let's be honest. Some of you are angry. The fact that I'm implying that someone hurts you, and you you're like, you don't even know what they did to me. I, 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 you're right. I don't know. But I know pain. I know what it's like to live in a home where your father is physically and verbally abusive. I, I know that kind of pain. I know what it's like to live broke. When my parents filed for bankruptcy when I was 20, I had to live off $200 eating top ramen, not because I like ramen, because that's all I could afford. I know what it's like to, to get into a relationship and have that person cheat on you. I know what it's like to, to be abandoned, to be rejected. I know pain, and, and yet at the same time, I, I know what it feels like to be on the other end, to say, you know, the reason why you walk in brokenness, the reason why you walk that way is all you got to do is forgive, and it feels unempathetic to give you a simple solution. I know what that feels like. And this is why I, I'm, I'm so encouraged that, that, that forgiveness, listen, is not an event. It's a process. That's why Pastor Yaz and I, for the last two months, we've been talking about this sermon, talking about what, how are we going to present this material? Because some of you, you're broken, and you don't realize it. You can't become friends with certain people. Your spouse will touch you on the hand, and it will trigger that boyfriend who sexually abused you. You have a pastor correct you, and it'll remind you of the, your old pastor who, who condemned you. You'll, you'll, you'll get close with some friends, but not others, and you live with brokenness. And so many times that you just hear this phrase, just forgive, just forgive, and it's like you don't understand the pain, and I know I don't. No one knows other than you and God what you went through, and I, I want to encourage you. Today is going to be very practical. I'm going to give you five Steps even from my own life. These are things that I, I've been in counseling for five years. I know pain, but I've come out of it. And part of my journey is helping other people walk in freedom. And I want to encourage you, forgiveness is not an event. Like, let's say I say a stupid joke about Laker fans. They go, oh my gosh, they get all offended. They're always offended, by the way. <laughs> always. And then they'll come up to you like, Pastor Al, you shouldn't have said that. And I'll apologize. And that's an event. They, they don't remember it the next Sunday. But when you're abandoned, when you're physically and maybe sexually abused, when you're rejected, forgiveness is not an event. It's a process. Even your body responds differently to physical pain. Like, for example, let's say I'm cutting vegetables 
and I cut my finger. And there's a big, and a band-aid doesn't cut, stop the blue. What, I go to the ER, what do they do? They either glue my finger shut or they stitch it. It's an event. The bleeding is done. But you know what happens when you have third-degree burns? They don't shut the wound. They scrape all the dead skin off. And it's painful. And it's hard. And the reason why they have to do that is because they have to let the skin heal from the inside out. And some of you don't realize that I'm not here to help you with your anger problems. I'm not here to get closer with your spouse or forgive your old pastor. I'm here to deal with the wound in your heart. I need to tell you, I wrote down like this, that the forgiveness doesn't just heal you, it hurts you. This process is going to suck for some of you. In the same way that wearing a cast for six weeks sucks, same way that having surgery and going through late, uh, physical therapy for nine months sucked, the process of forgiveness Yes, it does heal you, but in the moment, it hurts. I just need to warn you on the back end. Now that I look back, at, I, ha- I can throw a football now. There's joy. Now. I don't have to just be a communist and play soccer. I can play football. Be a real American. Come on. Just kidding. Come on. I'm trying to have some fun in church. But um, there are going to be times during the sermon where I'm going to tell you to take out your phone, take a picture, because you need to go home and do the heart work with, alone with God. And it's going to go so fast, you won't even, I'm telling you, these steps help me. And as we get further along in the steps, I just need to warn you, you're going to get angrier and angrier. And by step four, you're going to say a different F word to me. I promise you. <laughs> just warning you. But if you do this process, you'll walk different. Because gonna, God's going to heal you from the inside out. And the anger is going to go away. And the bitterness is going to go away. And the hardness of heart is going to go away. It's going to be awesome. You guys ready? Yeah. Step one, number one, on the healing journey. Number one, you got to acknowledge the pain. you got to acknowledge the pain. I, I went to counseling for 18 months with this non-Christian counselor. And his theory, his idea was, just, let's talk about it. Let's just talk about the pain. There was no solution. There was no progress. It was just me talking about the the things that I was dealing with. In that season of my life, I was depressed. I had massive, massive anxiety. So much so that my coworkers, like almost every week, are you okay? Because I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't function. Even when I was on vacation, I was restless. And I canceled counseling with this this doctor. I went to a Christian counselor. I recommend the same thing, by the way. You need Christ-centered help. And he gave me, as I was pouring out my heart to this guy, he said, okay, pull out a piece of paper. I'm like, ooh, this sounds so spiritual. Like, what are we going to do? He said, I want you to write down all the names of the people that you have unforgiveness for. I'm like, I don't think you just heard me, bro. I have anxiety. I can't sleep. I can't eat. He's like, I know. And And he said it like this. And I'll never forget. He says, do you know, Ali, how much anxiety producing energy it takes for you to hold on to that unforgiveness? You're denying it. You're pretending like it didn't happen. Your dad hurts you. Your, your friends hurt you. Your ex hurts you. And you're trying to live life as if it didn't happen. You cannot move forward until you acknowledge the past. Some of you, you got to realize the reason why you walk that way, because it still hurts. Someone say, it still hurts. It still hurts. you got to stop pretending, and especially for those of you in Silicon Valley. You're high-functioning hurt people. You run a company. You're excelling in your career, but you have brokenness in your life. You don't even realize it. This may not affect your relationship at work, but it affects your relationship with your spouse. This may not affect your relationship with your, with your church friends, but it will affect your relationship with your siblings. 
And so many times, the reason why we can't get close to people, the reason why we can't build intimacy is because there's this pain. There's this trauma that we've never acknowledged. There's nothing weak about saying I was hurt. There's nothing small about saying I was abused. And we find this actually, I wrote it down like this, you can't forgive what you don't acknowledge. There's a dude in the Bible who, who for 13 years, he was abandoned and forsaken by his own family. A dude named Joseph. If you're new to church and don't know the story, he's one of 12 brothers. He's actually loved more by his dad than any of the other brothers. And the other 11, they're jealous. They don't like Joseph because there's this favoritism. And one day they, 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 they tell their dad a lie that their brother Joseph died, but they really sold him off into slavery. I want to fast forward a little bit because there's so much to his story. If, you, if you're interested, go read Genesis 37 through 50. It's an amazing story. This dude spends from the age of 17 to 30 in a prison. And not once throughout the story does this man mention his pain, talk about his brothers to anyone. There's never one mention of the trauma. And that's how some of you live your life. Someone abused you, but you never talk about it. Someone, someone took advantage of you, but you never acknowledge it. Because you don't want to feel, look weak. This man, this, this man, Joseph, at the age of 30, God does something supernatural, and he becomes the CFO of the entire country. Think about Amazon distribution, you know, for, the, for America. This guy's feeding the whole world. The whole world is now coming to Egypt because there's this worldwide famine. Pharaoh's number one, this dude's number two. And would you believe the irony? His 11 brothers are there begging their own brother for food. And this CFO, who's leading the largest organization in the world, who's a high-functioning techie, has to be confronted with this trauma that he never dealt with. And watch what the scriptures say happened to his heart. And some of you, this is what I'm praying will happen in a good way. Genesis chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. It's been 13 years since they've seen each other. Look what it says. And he wept so loudly. This is like an ugly cry. You ever seen a man ugly cry? This is what it looks like. He wept so loudly. They're in another room, by the way, that the Egyptians heard him and the Pharaoh's house heard about it. Go down to verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Joseph's large and in charge. He's the CFO of a company. He has gone, he literally before Drake, he started from the bottom, now he's here. Like, this man's living that life. But he never dealt with the pain of being rejected by his brothers. And when he sees them, he weeps. I wonder if I mentioned someone's name to you, whose name would make you weep? If I showed you a picture of that person, would your heart clench? If I told you that that person succeeded in life, your booty would clench a little bit because you'd be angry. Because you, you have, let's be honest, come on now. You haven't dealt, you have not acknowledged the pain. That's the first step. You can't, you can't forgive what you don't acknowledge. You ready for number two? It's going to get harder and harder. Surrender our right to punish. So the, I dealt with this as a pastor. My mentor had to sit me down. He's like, Al, you have revenge in your heart. I'm like, of course I forgave him. But let's, let's not twist it. I'm, I'm also praying for his demise, right? <laughs> praying his dog dies. Come on. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I've forgiven him, but let's not twist it. I want him to suffer just a little bit. Why? Because that's how you know you have unforgiveness in your heart. You still want to, them to be harmed. 
And there's a massive difference between true biblical forgiveness and what the world calls forgiveness. We call them frenemies. You ever heard that term? We're frenemies. I give you a fake smile when you're around. But underneath my breath, I'm like, go to hell. <laughs> I'll even comment on your Instagram. Oh, my gosh, God bless you. But then I'll send your picture on DM to someone else. I hope they die. Let's be honest. I know what you do. I'm just like you. That's how I know. You got to surrender your right to cause the other person harm. This is what I'm telling you. It gets more and more difficult. Paul says this in Romans. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love this language. Do not take revenge. God gets to the heart of it, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. Your unforgiveness is actually a faith issue. Because you don't believe God's a good dad. And the language, I love this language, says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. It's like God's like, he sees this conflict between you, and he's like putting his hand between you and the other person, and he's like putting you behind him. I got this. It's mine to avenge. And when you have unforgiveness, you don't believe God's got your back. That's what you're saying, really. And when you have trauma and pain and you don't deal with it, I'm telling you, that unresolved pain becomes anger. The anger becomes bitterness. The bitterness becomes a hardened heart. And this is where you want other people to suffer even though you say you've forgiven them. There's a couple in, my, in our church that my wife and I disciple and we were praying that God would restore their marriage and heal it fully. And she's made some mistakes and he's made some mistakes. And most recently, he's made some big, big mistakes and and they're, they're, in, they're stuck in their marriage. Because every time he has these minor infractions, every time he messes up and does something, let's say, a little dumb, don't we all, by the way, she reminds him of his past. So, oh, I knew you would do this because you... And I'm like, honey, you cannot keep bringing up his past. You cannot keep bringing up his mistakes. But, but, but I've forgiven him. No, 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 no. When, when, you, when you forgive someone, you don't use their past as a weapon against them. And so often what, what, what this woman, this, this wife was doing is she had a broken idea of what forgiveness is and what it's not. And this is this next slide. I want you to take a, just pull out your phone and take a picture as I, as I explain it. Forgiveness is about freedom. When someone steps on your heart, when someone takes advantage of you, what it does is it causes pain. And so offense builds offense. So we build a fence around our heart. We want to keep the bad people out. But what you end up doing is you keep the good people out too. And often when we have unforgiveness in our heart, we, we don't want to forgive the person because we want them to suffer. And often what we don't realize is there's this prison that we want the other person to be in, but unforgiveness is about your freedom. You're opening the door to the prison, realizing you're the one in jail the whole time. Has not, you listen, some of you in this room, you need to forgive a dead person because your loved one's not here anymore and they'll never say, I'm sorry. Forgiveness is about not letting them off the hook. It's not about justifying that. It's about your freedom. It's about unlocking the door and saying, I want to be free. I don't want to just play soccer. I want to play football and soccer. There's a freedom that God has for you. And justifying that, I hear all the time, Pastor Ali, if I forgive them, then they won't know how much they've hurt me. And it's almost as if we want the other person to suffer and feel pain so that they know how much we've gone through pain. It's not okay that they lied to you. It's not okay that they, they abused you. It's not okay that they took advantage of you. It's not okay that they abandoned you. But you holding on unforgiveness doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. It hurts you. 
It's not a guarantee of reconciliation. I'll get to that. Sometimes we think if I forgive the person, I gotta let him back in my life. No, 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 no. It's not about doing life together. It's about you walking in freedom. You not getting revenge. Because you declare by faith, my dad's a good God. He says, it's mine to avenge. I'm, I got this. I got your back. That's what you're declaring. That I'm so loved by God that he didn't just send his son to die for me. That he's actively working on my behalf to take care of me as well. And even though it hurts to let go, I'm believing God's got my back. Amen? Amen. You got to acknowledge the pain. Number two, you got to you got to surrender the right to punish the other person. This third one, it's even hard to say. Pray for them. Woo! I'll pray for them, Pastor. I pray their dog dies, right? Pray they, they get COVID even after the vaccine. No, no, that's not, that's not the kind of prayers. It's definitely not the kind of prayers. And if I can just be honest, sometimes when I'm praying for the person who's really, really hurt me, I'll just show you a picture in my prayer closet. There are times where I literally come up and I'm like, God, that, I can't even say their name. God, that, that, I say that person. Because by saying their name, it, I feel like I'm losing. And then I know I'm supposed to pray for, their, pray for them. I'm like, you know what they need. I'll just walk out. <laughs> That's not what Jesus wants, by the way. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. That's what the culture does, right? If we don't agree with you, cancel you. If you're with us, we love you. If you're not, we hate you. But I, Jesus says, love your enemies. That's so different. That's so different. Love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you. Jesus is God. And he's asking us to do this not because the other person needs a blessing because there's something that needs to happen in your heart. See, when someone hurts you and like I said, the anger becomes bitter, bitter becomes hardened heart, it takes humility to say, you know what, God? I want to punch them in the throat. I want to I gossip about them around all because they hurt me with gossip. But I surrender. And then I'm going to do something crazy, God. I'm going to pray for them. Not because they need a blessing, but because I need my heart to be softened. That's why Jesus, whenever he, he told stories, whenever he gave parables, he used agricultural sermons. Talk about the seed that's being scattered on the field. Talk about the different kinds of soil. It's a metaphor for a spiritual truth. That the soil is your heart. And that the seed is the word of God. And some of you in this room, you have a hardened heart. It's the hard path. Every, time, every Sunday you come to church... And your great sermons and your life ain't changing. It ain't the seed. It's your heart. But when you pray for that person, it's like you're tilling the soil. And you're softening it. And you're not praying because they need a blessing. You're praying for your own freedom. And your heart that's hard, that's, that's dead, that, that, that can't love anymore. That you've, you've relegated to this is how I'm always going to be. I'm not going to let people in. I'm not going to trust people. Uh, my ex-boyfriend hurt me, so I'm not going to trust my, my new boyfriend. My old pastor hurt me, so I'm not going to trust my new one. When you pray for that person who hurt you the most, something miraculous happens. The same seed that you heard before now begins to produce something it couldn't do before. Why? Because the prayer wasn't for, you, for them. It was for you. It's for your freedom. For your deliverance. 
so that you can walk out of that bondage and stronghold. They don't, God will, God's their dad. God will bless them. He, he doesn't need you. You need it, though. You need to pray for that person because it's hard. You, you can't hate someone you pray for. You ever try that? You can't do it. God supernaturally does something. He knows. I'm telling you, this next one is the hardest of the, of the four, of the five. You've got to acknowledge the pain. You've got to surrender your right to get revenge. Pray for them. And this one, I'm just, if you didn't want to fight me at this point, this one, next one's going to make you want to fight me. Number four, be open to reconciliation. That scares some of you. Because the person that wounded you the most, I'm telling you, what you hear me saying, I'm not saying this, what you hear me saying is I got to let him back in. I got to let him back in. I got to let, and this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I remember the first time I heard this teaching, my mentor was telling me, I, I, I didn't understand forgiveness and reconciliation. So what I heard my pastor saying, what I heard, what I thought I heard he say is, I got to forgive and let him back in. And I knew this person wasn't apologetic. I knew this person didn't really care that they hurt my feelings. So in my mind, all I was doing was, oh, I'm giving them a, a get out of jail free card. They can keep hurting me, but God asked me to do it. And then it got to the point where I, I, I got tired of being used and abused. And it's so funny that there were people that really, really hurt me, and I was afraid to forgive them because I didn't want to let them back in my life because they didn't understand forgiveness. And then it was so funny, even though I was the victim, I started walking with shame and condemnation because I'm like, God asked me to forgive, but I won't do it. And it's crazy how, how the, I'm the one that was hurting, and now I'm the one walking with shame. And, and that's not the picture of what God wants for you. And for, my mentor explained it this way. He said, Pastor Ali, he said, imagine you have someone babysit your kids. I said, okay. You got, you got the camera in your house. With the, I'm like, yeah, we got it all over. He's like, imagine they're chasing your kids with an ax like all around the house. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you gonna do? He's like, I'm gonna call 911. He's like, do you forgive them the next day? I'm like, of course. He's like, do you invite them over for Thanksgiving dinner? I said, no. That's what forgiveness is. That's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Some of you don't realize they are not the same. Forgiveness is about you, reconciliation is about two. I look at this picture, take a picture. This is, this is gonna help some of you. This is gonna set some of you free. Forgiveness is what I do. I acknowledge the pain. I declare I was hurt. I go to God and say, God, when they did this, they hurt me. When, when they took advantage of me, it, it made me feel small, made me feel used. I'm the one that doesn't just acknowledge the pain. I'm the one that says, God, even though I wanna hurt them, I'm gonna let you do it. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says God. So God, I'm giving, I'm surrendering up to you. I gotta pray a blessing over them. Forgiveness is what you do. Reconciliation, or the term, because pastors love to use words that start with the same letter, F, fellowship and forgiveness. It's really reconciliation. We do it if and only if. There's a difference between true repentance and I'm saying, I'm sorry. We all know celebrities. We all know athletes who they got caught with a prostitute or maybe they were saying something on a podcast they shouldn't have said. And all they do is, I'm sorry, but they're really not sorry. All they're doing is publicly making a statement because they got caught. Repentance is not the same as I'm sorry. Let me tell you, let me give you a biblical picture of what repentance is versus sorry. Sorry is I'm sorry, but I'm still walking down that path. I'm sorry, but I'm still going that way. Repentance literally means change of mind. You change directions. If I'm walking this way and I repent, I'm like, oh, I, I thought this way was the right way. 
I'm going to turn and come back to Jesus, and I'm going to literally change directions. That's what repentance is. So when someone has a gambling problem and they say, I'm sorry, next month they go gambling. But when you repent, you never drive to that casino again. When someone has an alcohol problem and they've been abusing their children and the spouse and say, I repent for all my alcohol, they break all their bottles of wine and beer. Because they're saying, I used to live this way, I'm no longer going to live this way. And to have reconciliation, you need repentance. If you want to see what reconciliation looks like, true repentance. In Genesis chapter 45 through 50, Joseph's brothers, when they're confronted with the CFO of the country, they're like terrified. And Joseph says, I want you to go back home and bring my younger brother. I haven't seen him in 13 years. And we see true repentance in the life of Judah. He says, if we bring our younger brother back without the father, he lost both his sons, he's going to die. Put me in prison. He's finally realizing the pain he's caused. And he's like, I don't want to ever hurt you again, Joseph. But if they don't bring Joseph, uh, uh, Benjamin back, you can kill me. And these brothers, they're truly repenting for the life that they live. It's not, I'm sorry. Repentance says three things. You might want to write this down. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's different, though. And there's, there's, this, there's this biblical theme that as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But there are times, I want to give you, I'm going to make it, give you a get out of jail card. There are times you should not reconcile. And Paul, in the book of 1 Timothy, is writing this letter to one of his people he's mentoring, a dude named Timothy. And he says this in first, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. Have nothing to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind. Someone say kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently. Someone say gently. Instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. What is Paul saying to Timothy? He's saying, dude, there are going to be people in your church that don't agree with what you teach, don't have the theology of what you, and they want, all they want to do is argue with you. And you know what you got to do, realize, Paul? You can't be, I, you're an idiot, and shame them. And you got to do it with love. You got to do it with gentleness. Because if you come with humility, if you come with gentleness, you come with the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, goodness, kindness, love, and self-control, God may grant them repentance. But then Paul tells us the three-strike rule. And some of you need to realize this. Some of you need to apply this to your life. Stop letting people abuse you and take advantage of you. It says this in Titus chapter 3, but avoid, same author, different, different context, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Watch this. Warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, which means three strikes and you're done. This is, the, this is, this is scripture, by the way. It's not your pastor. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and self There are some people you can't reconcile with. Let me give you some examples. A massive addiction. A mental health issue. I would say physical or sexual abuse. You, you do not let that person back into your life until there's deep and true repentance and change. Otherwise, they will take advantage of you. And you're, I'm not saying don't forgive them. You forgive for your freedom. You forgive so that you have joy, that you have freedom but you don't let them back into your life. 
I'm sorry that your old pastor hurt you. I'm sorry that a boyfriend took advantage of you sexually. But if you're going to walk forward in this church, if you're going to walk forward in your marriage, you've got to acknowledge the pain. You've got to surrender your right to punish. You've got to pray for that person. You've got to have some biblical grounds for what reconciliation really is. You're not just letting that person back in. At this point, I just got to be honest, there's not much difference between Deepak Chopra and what I'm teaching. I did that on purpose. There's not much difference between Tony Robbins and what I'm about to teach. This is where this becomes a lecture to a sermon. From self-help to God-help. It's this last point. It's the most, this is what makes all of them valid and real and practical. It's number five is this. Pray for divine strength and freedom. Because you don't have the strength to do it. Because if you would have done it, you would have done it by now. But you can't, so you need God's help. God didn't just die for you to have you forgiven. He died to give you the spirit to do what you couldn't do on your own. Why do we need the spirit? Because we're not strong enough. Why do we need the spirit of God talking to us? Because you don't have the strength, the willingness to do it. So God literally needs to help us. That's the beauty of the gospel. The world says, oh my gosh, you're enough. God says, you're not. So ask for help. There's nothing shameful about saying, God, I can't. I don't like this person. Help me. I'm not telling you to look in the mirror and go pray harder. I'm asking you to go to your father and say, God, I don't have the strength to forgive, but you can do the impossible. Why does Jesus, when asked, how do we pray? He goes, let me teach you how to pray. Every day you got to pray this. Forgive those that trespass against us. Jesus is literally teaching you to forgive every single day. Why? Because he knew you, this was something so hard you couldn't do it. That you need to, literally need to pray for help every day. You don't have the strength. I'm going to read you some verses that will give you context. 1 Corinthians 11, 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. If you're willing to walk through this painful process, on the other side of the pain, there's a peace that you don't have right now. God really wants to heal your heart. He really wants you to trust people again. He really wants you to walk into an environment and you're not afraid to let people in. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 19 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is is made perfect in weakness. Some of you are like, I don't have the strength, Pastor Ali, to even acknowledge the pain. I don't have the emotional energy. I don't have the strength to not want revenge. I don't have the strength to pray for them. I don't have the strength to even think about reconciliation. And God's like, I know. I know you don't. But in your weakness, my power is made perfect. When you're weak, that's when I'm strong. This is not self-help. This is God help. This is the gospel. That when you can't do it, God literally empowers you to do what you couldn't do on your own. Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them. said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Come on, I love that. Philippians 2, verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There is, some of you think your, your pain is so big and you talk about how God is so small in your life. God is bigger than your pain. God is bigger than your abuse. No matter what you went through, no matter how you were taken advantage of, our God's grace is, is as sin abounds, grace abounds. And your God is the name that's above all names. 
He's the one that can break the chains. The same power that resurrected Christ lives within you. If he can resurrect his dead son, listen, he can resurrect your dead heart. If he resurrected his dead son, he can resurrect your dead marriage. That, that dead friendship that you have with your siblings. That dead relationship that you have with your dad. God can do the impossible. When I finally humbled myself and said, God, I'll, I'll, I want to play catch with my, kid, my kids one day. My family had been married a year. Dude, surgery was crazy. I was in bed for an entire week, full of Oxycontin. It was terrible. It was painful. But that's on, it's on the backside of it. it. I don't say it still hurts anymore. I say it used to hurt. It used to hurt. Someone say it used to hurt. And that's really my, my prophetic declaration to you. As some of you, you don't realize this, that in 1776, when the colonies on this continent, they declared independence from England, you know what they did? They wrote the Declaration of Independence. They weren't free, but they declared it. And then they went and fought for it. Some of you in this room, you gotta declare your freedom and then walk out and go fight for it. You can get freedom. You can get it. You can walk different. You can trust again. Your husband that, you, that pays more attention to his job than you, you can love him again. That dad that loved his work more than you, that never came to any games, you can, you can love him again. That pastor that hurts you, that took advantage of you, you can sit under the authority again. There's this prayer that I want to read with you guys. It's on the screen. I, I would definitely pull my phone out. I tried to squeeze it all in one so you may not be able to read it. I'm going to read it out loud, prophetically declaring some of you need to go do the hard work of the, the soul check with God this week. And I would do this for every person who has broke your heart. God, I'm ready to stop pretending like the pain in my past is not affecting my present. Please forgive me for holding on to unforgiveness. Today I declare getting rid of this unforgiveness and letting go of this pain, this hurt, and anger. I completely, not complexly, I completely forgive. And you put their name in that blank. And I would do it for every person that has hurt you in Jesus' name. And I thank you that you are healing these wounds that were inflicted. I thank you that you are making me whole and setting me free. And I declare that I'm giving up my right to judge and punish this person. I completely forgive. It's all in your hands now. In Jesus' name. Can we stand real quick? I just feel so led to pray for some of you. Today's about surrender. Today's about letting go of the pain. Today's about opening up your wound the same way that you, have, you may have a third degree burn. They gotta scrape away the, the dead skin. God's gotta scrape away the pain and let you heal from the inside out with every eye closed and every head bowed. I just declare freedom, God. I declare hope and healing, Jesus. I declare, God, for those that have been walking with a limp their whole life with unforgiveness, They've been unable to get intimate with people. Maybe their spouse, maybe their siblings, maybe a dad, maybe a coworker betrayed you. 
Maybe a friend who was supposed to have your back stabbed you in the back. Maybe you church hop and church hop because some church hurt you and you've never dealt with that pain. Today's the day. Today's the day that you start the healing process because it's not an event. We're not going to just pray and believe you're healed. God can do it. God can do anything. But from my experience, it's always a process. It's a process where every time you're reminded, every time you think of that person, every time you think of that, that pain that you experience, you go through these steps. God, I, I want to acknowledge this pain to you. God, I want to surrender my right. God, I pray that you bless that person. I just believe by faith that the Holy Spirit is bringing names of people. He's showing you faces of people. Maybe it was a teacher who said you were stupid, that you'll never do anything in life. Maybe it was a dad who wasn't there for you when you needed him to. Maybe it was a girlfriend who cheated on you and made you feel small. Maybe it was a boss who took advantage of you. It's impossible to not have pain. But it's possible to walk in freedom. God, I pray for every person who hear my voice that by faith, God, we would begin to enter this, this journey, this process of unforgiveness, that we would release them, God, in our hearts. We pray a blessing for that person. Bless them, God. Not because they need a blessing, because my hard heart needs it, God. And I'm also believing by faith that there are some of you in this room that you don't know what Christianity is all about. I need to let you know Christianity is, it's a religion, but primarily it's more of a relationship with the living God. And this God left heaven 2,000 years ago and became a man. The infinite God became finite. The eternal God became human. And we believe as Christians that God entered human history as the person of Jesus. He was fully God and fully man. And he, did, he didn't come to give us teachings he didn't come to give us philosophy. He didn't come to do some cool tricks, miracles. He came to die for our sin on a cross. And when you believe that, you repent and you turn from the life that you're living and you come back to him. And some of you, today's the day of your salvation because he offers you forgiveness. Even though you didn't deserve it, he offers it freely to you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, that's you tonight. And you want the forgiveness of Jesus, the free forgiveness of Jesus. Because it's hard to forgive if you haven't been forgiven. It's actually impossible. That's you tonight. And you want to start a relationship with this living God who loves you enough to die for you. In a moment, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you offer this gift of salvation. I want to receive it, God. I want to acknowledge my sin before you, the ways I didn't live the way that you wanted me to. I was not just the one that was hurt. I also hurt people, God. But I want to repent. I don't want to just say I'm sorry. I want to change the direction of my life. I want to change the way I live, and I want to follow you. And I need your Holy Spirit to live within me 
to help me do what I can't do on my own is to live a life for you. On the count of three, if that was you, and you prayed that prayer in your heart with me for the very first time, listen, we, have, we want nothing from you. We just want something for you. We got a free book called Following Jesus that we'd love to give you with every eye closed and every head bowed. If that was you tonight and you prayed that prayer, for those of you online as well, on the count of three, would you just be willing to raise your hand? One, two, three. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.